I'm Brian Foster, and this is the Grindhouse Institute. On each episode of this podcast, Jeremy Floyd and I program and discuss a double or triple feature movie night. Each of the movies share common themes, and we discuss them here. We're happy you could join us for today's film block that will be the second of a three-part series we call Zombie Evolution. Although initially referred to as ghouls or flesh eaters, Romero's reanimated corpses and Night of the Living Dead were never officially given a name. The next phase in the zombie metamorphosis happened in 1979 when the word zombie was finally uncoupled from its original pop culture definition and was grafted onto the Romero monster. Although only uttered once on film, in the newspapers, reviews, and in the popular lexicon, the lumbering, cannibalistic, undead Romero monster now had a name. That same name was used months later as the title of the unofficial sequel, as these back-to-back films ensured that these movie monsters would be known from that point on as zombies. Today's block includes two films from 1979, Dawn of the Dead, George Romero's official sequel to Night of the Living Dead, and Zombie, aka Zombie 2, Lucio Fulci's unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. A group of survivors are forced to take refuge in a large indoor mall to escape the apocalyptic reality of the ever-growing threat of the undead returning to life in Dawn of the Dead. A woman enlists the help of a journalist to help her find her missing father. The two are brought to a remote tropical island where they discover the island is plagued with an epidemic that brings the dead back to life in Zombie, or Zombie 2, depending of course on where you saw it. Thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute. Please enjoy. The boat can leave now. Tell the crew. All right, welcome back to the Grindhouse Institute. I am Brian Foster. With me, as always, is Jeremy Floyd. Hola. How you doing, everybody? Uh, we have a very special guest with us today. Jeremy, I'll let you do the introductions. Uh, special guest is Michael Floyd. Hello. Uh, my brother. <laughs> Thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. Uh, Michael is, uh, just like us, one of the all-time experts in film, as you could probably tell by our previous <laughs> podcasts. We know everything. Um, not we really. know everything. Yeah. Um, today we have a very special uh, double feature, um, which I'm very excited about. And I guess half excited about. I was talking about that before. Um, one of the films that we're watching today is my all-time favorite, Dawn of the Dead from 1978, George Romero's classic. Um, and then we're also watching Lucio Fulci's Zombie, Zombie 2, um, wherever you internationally have watched it originally, that's probably called something else. Um, but Zombie 2 is kind of a cash-in on Zombie, which is what Dawn of the Dead was in Italy uh, when it was released there. Right, kind of a mockbuster sequel. Mockbuster, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it definitely has a bunch of the uh, same... Uh, same feels and same zombies as Dawn of the Dead, but and there's definitely some similarities, but uh, a far inferior film, in my opinion, um, but I guess I'll save my review till later on in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's pretty universally <laughs> held, held, at least in, in, this, uh, in, in this company here. In this small circle that we have here? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's funny, we were, Michael and I were talking about uh, this podcast and kind of like the idea behind um, at least this sort of series of zombie uh, movies. And, um, you know, I was talking about how, okay, the first one will be these movies. The second one will be Dawn of the Dead and Zombie 2. And, you know, 
it sounded like you got kind of excited about that, Michael. I mean, I know you like Dawn as well. And I think you were the one who introduced me to Dawn, you know, I don't know what, back in high school or something. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't remember how we got... I can't remember what, what the impetus was to get into Night of the Living Dead. I, I think I, I, I must have just been curious about it. but um, and, then, and then we found out that, that there were kind of two semi you know, spiritual sequels um, in Dawn and Day. Uh, and we hunted them down at the library and checked them out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you went, you went down the, Night of the Living Dead rabbit hole for, uh, for a spell? Right. Oh, I, I remember what it was. Yeah, because we 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 rented the thirtieth anniversary of of Night of the Living Dead, and and tried to watch was that the colorful box art. It was like a very colorful looking one. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, it, that. They they had uh, Bill Heinzman, I think, had reshot or had, <laughs> sh- had shot extra footage, so so that they could make a special version that they could make money off of. I guess that's I, you exactly know. what it was. We we yeah. actually discussed that same issue in the last episode. I mean, it was thirty years later. He doesn't look like the same zombie. You know, this no no no. Of course not. It's I mean it's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, not, not that I have any kind of nostalgia for that version, but it, it's um, you know, it's 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 uh, it, it's not really an earnest attempt at uh, <laughs> you know expanding it. It's it's just a, a very 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 quick uh, cash in type of thing. But I mean, you know, and I don't think he was taking it particularly that seriously. Sorry, George. <laughs> um, so yeah, today um, we're. Actually, talking about the sequel of Night of the Living Dead, uh, or you said pseudo sequel. That's interesting that you said that. Why? Why did you call it that? Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess because I, I see all these movies as the, the, they're totally their own thing, um, you know. And since there's no single character to like really link mm. them all together or anything, um, it's 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 just sort of seen as the same universe, but they're all tonally very different. That's true, yeah. Um, and and just just as films, they're they're totally different creatures. And, and so. what's kind of cool about that is that it avoids the sort of sequel uh, pitfall of like remaking the same movie. Yes, right. In a I way. mean, ironically, they are kind of the same movie in in, in that they're all sort of siege movies. Um, <laughs> right. Sure. But but it just in different contexts and you know uh, different. Um, different very different situations but they all they all they're all kind of the same uh, basic idea uh and each of them premise. carried their own message and you know the background of you know right. why they chose that the consumerism at the time and malls were going up and that was a big issue of you know they wanted to touch on that and how people would still flock to the fucking mall right the first is kind of racism the first is kind of consumerism the third is kind of anti-military right uh, fascism you know um, they all they all really do touch on that. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned the mall thing, uh, Brian. Rewatching it this time, I had that question of like, because they had that moment where they're flying over the mall, and someone had to explain what a mall was to the audience real quick. Pretty new. So, it, it like, was that a, a totally new phenomenon? I mean, they they didn't have that sort of. Uh, experience before that i believe that stuff started up um around that time um and it was in the 70s that malls started getting bigger and then all of a sudden they became you know they started adding like amusement um rides inside of them and um, <laughs> right they were became more of like a tourist um destination. and right so that that was like a big deal and 
you know, there was no online buying at the time. So where, where else would you go and just be able to walk a few feet and get the, the next type of apparel that you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know? So right. that was a huge, huge phenomenon. And it's a, it's a great commentary on that. It's, it's, it's ironic though, because, you know, uh, Flyboy says in there, it's like, oh, this was an important place in their life. And it's like, but it, but it's, it's, you have that back to the future moment. It's like, but it's brand new. Like, what do you mean a rerun? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess it, uh, I, I guess George detected its, uh, uh, zombifying quality for, for the, right. the masses. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it was an instant hit or whatever, or, or, or an instant, um, instantly became a, uh, cultural phenomenon that, connected so deeply with our consumerist culture that, you know, this is just mainlining consumerism uh, for people. And that quality of it, you know, made it r- recognizable for uh, the past lives of these uh, zombies or whatever. Right. And, and, and maybe malls were, were seen as kind of a, a threat to the mom and pop industry like Walmart, you know, became, Sure. you know, it's just sort of everything under one roof is, is going to kind of nullify the community, as it were, and now they're um, now they're failing, right? And now, and now, now they're now they're deteriorating across the the U.S. Yeah, right. Now malls are zombies. Now, yeah, now exactly. yeah, there's there's literally a whole series on on YouTube called the Dead Mall series. Um, <laughs> uh, this guy this guy Dan Bell goes around and and films these dying or or uh, absolutely closed down malls. Um, and usually, you know, there's, a, there's most of the anchors are shut down, like the JC Pennies or the Coles or whatever. And it's like literally like one or two shops that are yeah. still remaining. And like the rest is there's, there's like plants and stuff growing inside. You just see the outline of just like Sears, just like that, like outline of the letters outside the buildings. It's no longer there. You know, the, right, the old right. movie theater, you know, that's, you know, where we're all going to hole up once COVID really yeah. hits, I guess. <laughs> Um, well, it's interesting, uh, to bring that up is that, um, since we're talking about zombie films and we watch zombie films this week, the last of us two came out this week as well. So I've been playing, I've been like injecting zombies or any end of the world shit in my brain <laughs> for like the last three straight weeks, especially with, you know, the last man on earth. And like, I don't know, I guess I need to get out of this. We might need to do some like kids movies or something soon. Something, yeah. like, you know, something animated maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we uh, switch back to the Invisible Friends or whatever we were going to do earlier. I like that one, yeah. Like something a little more lighthearted. Let's watch Harvey. Invisible Friends. <laughs> these two um, these two ones in particular were, were definitely uh, pretty oppressive. Like, I, I imagine even the next uh, two movies won't quite be that much. It's like Day of the Dead uh, has that uh, <laughs> oppressive feeling for sure, uh, but... High on the satire side of it. Yeah, Return of the Living Dead is is a lot more fun or whatever. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, whereas these two movies were were both a drag, <laughs> um, Dawn and Zombie Two. And I mean, I the original ending of Dawn would have been an even bigger drag. They were looking for a similar ending to Night, um, but with, right, yeah, um, oh, Fly see. Girl um, stepping uh. into the. She was supposed to step up into the helicopter blades at the end, but then. All of a sudden, they kicked on the da 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 the yeah. music, and he make <laughs> Ken Foray makes his way out. And I was telling Jeremy if like that ending felt like a, the, the Naked Gun ending. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it sounded like the Naked Gun ending. Hey, yeah. you know what? Why? Why is this got to be a downer? You know. And it's just yeah, him yeah. with that little like hooker pistol. You know, just about <laughs> right. <to> shoot it. <laughs> 
Stoker pistol. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, for for a guy that has this enormous arsenal, like they they cut to the 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 guns on the walls several times. Why the hell is is, is he using this tiny little you, using a gun shooter? that may not work? Yeah, <laughs> I think there's one bullet in that thing, and I he yeah. used it on one, and it's and, like and that's what he now he what? uses it, and then you're like, oh get well, the, now you're out of time to get buddy. the hell out of there now. I know. It's like, <laughs> You couldn't have picked a, a worst weapon. To there is an interesting uh, part at the end there where the the zombie that was holding the hunting rifle is then presented with the new gun at the end. If you see that, and then right, so the, the new the like, assault rifle, the assault rifle, yeah, the AR is then switched, him and he kind of likes that one better. Um, and then they kind of go into that, or that was supposed to be leading into how day was more about the mil- militarization of zombies teaching them how to use guns which they kind of oh, touched yeah. on but the uh you know original script was obviously a lot more fleshed out than that good 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 use of words there pun intended yeah i i, um. I know i've called it this on, on many occasions but i still feel that this is the taxi driver of horror movies i just love the, the feel of this movie so much and it feels like so because it came out in the 70s there yeah, and go. it's got that it's got that feel that like down and dirty, like the the, the scenes of them in the trucks. My man is loaded, loaded. <laughs> Manja, <laughs> I love that so much. But I just love you know like um them in the trucks, like that whole scene of them blocking off the uh, right. the mall and everything. I thought that was just a really smart way to to set up your base, and I thought that was a pretty cool um, concept in that film. Yeah. Well, real quick, uh, in in terms of watching these two uh i wanted to say or maybe i'll turn it over to you michael but like you had an interesting suggestion on how to watch them you know like obviously the first one that came out was dawn of the dead zombie 2 or or zombie whatever the hell it was called the italian <laughs> movie was came out second uh but your suggestion was to watch them backwards yeah um so i i'd seen zombie 2 years ago and i i just remembered how it ended um and it's it's uh, it, it is kind of a weirdly perfect uh, lead up, um, right? Mostly, uh, and, and I do like the fact that that they 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 vaguely allude to voodooism in in Zombie Two, but they don't really. It, it's still never fully specified what mm-hmm. what is causing it, right? You know, it's it's still vague enough that that you can kind of go, oh, okay, you know, no one really knows, but here's an here's an interesting suggestion. Um, that that goes back to to the roots of zombies. Yeah, that's a good point. But also, it, it's funny because, um, you know, this movie, Zombie Two, uh, you know, an Italian low budget exploitation horror movie. You know, shot MOS. They you know dubbed all the lines <laughs> later. Um, I couldn't tell. As as all Italian uh, films are. <laughs> but um, what do you mean? It's just. Like a... <laughs> Uh, just like a lot of other, um, uh, you know, sort of Italian exploitation films from that time, you know, the movie was almost impressionistic. Yes. It it gave sort of this uh, great sense of, I don't know, a, a dreamlike terror without mm-hmm. being too specific. Um, and in fact, I kind of found myself being a lot more challenged, like trying to follow the plot than just kind of letting it go and like, you know, letting these things happen as they happen. You know, because the the plot uh, was hard to follow at times. You know, especially about like what the you know doctor was doing was was he a, you know Doctor Moreau like creating right. these things or is he I trying to stop he, it right. or was it? And this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen it, and, and this time watching it, I was still is he creating them? 
but he was just testing <laughs> them and shooting them. <laughs> his, right. his wife sort of implies that he yeah was behind it at, in that right. early confrontation scene, and then later he's like kind of shocked by it and like doesn't understand it or something. I, so anyway, like that part of the like the plot elements are, are were kind of like you know hard to follow. Agreed. Um, but you know, taking the long view of the the movie or even like specific scenes out of context uh those <laughs> things give you this like terrible sort of sense of dread and i imagine watching the movie if you could watch it in italian with the subtitles off it would almost be better because i agree you wouldn't be sitting there trying to like figure out what the plot is i agree it's like i agree you know it, it's hard, it, the plot is hard to comprehend but like the horror is not saying fulci's films have plots is i think being pretty generous um <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you that know. was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to follow the what should have been a plot. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, I, very it's, loose. It's, it's 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 an obvious uh, thing that everyone does when they're watching a movie. They're trying to follow what the fuck's going yeah. on. Um, <laughs> and and Fulci, you know, just that thing. <laughs> I, I, th- I think part of I think part of his elemental appeal, though, in storytelling. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Go like ahead. It, it, part of his appeal for most <laughs> horror fans is that he, he does kind of throw out a lot of those conventions and just kind of follows his own kind of dream logic which mm. and he was uh, known know. for his gore he's the godfather yeah. of gore he's not the godfather of story you know like he's right right that there's there's literally he literally made a movie called a cat in the brain about the fact that that's what he does <laughs> it's like he doesn't make real movies he just makes gory you know whatever you know yeah like nightmare fuel yeah yeah in, in one of his movies one of the a girl literally vomits up all of her guts, like literally vomits right. up her intestines. And because it, because the guy looks at her. Right. Because with the, those, the, the, yeah. the priest looks yeah. at her or whatever. Well, I, I have to say, like, I mean, uh, aside, I, I guess that there were a couple things that, um, you know, in clip form or out of context form, kind of uh, I, I, I liked about this movie. You know, first of all, the sort of opening theme. Actually, the, the very opening moment was a great opener. Yes. Yeah. Both the cold open where, you know, you see this person shoot a guy in a in a burlap sack. And Tell then, the crew the boat can leave now. Yeah. With the silhouette. <laughs> that, I thought that was pretty cool. And it was like I, what's, I love that. It was very captivating. That's, that's the that is the best part of the movie. Absolutely. By bar none. And, and then and then you get the opening theme song, which is also great music. Pretty good. And then you get <laughs> that really creepy boat landing in New York Harbor. Yeah. Very Dracula. Right. It's a great premise. Yeah. And all of that, you're like, ooh, you're kind of hooked into it at that point. <laughs> um, and But then it's funny. I remember telling Michael at the time when we were watching it, it was like the boat in the harbor sequence, you know, each shot was sort of twice as long as it should have been. Absolutely. To, you know, convey that message. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a very good uh, pointed uh, editor perspective <laughs> on it. I, no, it's like. Because no, it, it makes it makes perfect sense. Like why it feels so long, like why it feels so drawn out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that, you know, rubric sort of held for the whole movie. Now, mm-hmm. you know, if if you ended up cutting that much out of it, maybe there it would have been uh, too short. But um, I don't know. Although, like, it was what it was, was it two hours? I don't know. Was it no? Minutes? It's like eighty minutes or something. It's nine ninety one minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's really short, and I think that's probably why. Is that yeah? You had to draw it out for to get it in theaters. I don't know how much of how how many of his decisions were based on artistic rather than like you know, <laughs> practical. Right. You know, we, we we need to make this basically a feature so we can put it into the grindhouse 
circuit and yeah. barely make our money back, whatever. You know, I, who know who knows what what the uh, motivation was for a lot of that. Um, so may, maybe his surrealist style is entirely based on uh, just laziness and uh, I whatever. think some of it is. But, yeah, I I, you I, 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 you know, it it doesn't feel intentional. Uh, a lot of it, it feels right. like it was just kind of all right. Point the camera over here. You know, in yeah. many instances, somewhat out of focus, and just kind of <laughs> capture this. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's also just the Italian style of filmmaking. Um, you know, with the with the MOS sound, they could probably be very, very loose in the way that they make the film itself. So, well, you know, to be fair, it's like yeah, Italian exploitation more, films. You mean gives it a more leisurely feel uh, as opposed to Romero's pretty, pretty tight editing. Um, that's yeah, true. he's originally an editor. You know, that's right. that's his background. So. It, it it just I feel like you know I've seen a lot of interviews about Don and he just gets a lot of coverage and wants to really fill those out and you can tell that I don't think Dawn of the Dead would have been that good without that edit that movie yeah. you know in in many instances doesn't look that great and it's and it's just okay but I think because of the pace that made that film great right um, this was an interesting point that I was really uh, pushing hard to watch Zombie which was the uh, Argento cut of dawn of the dead yeah that's um, actually the one i watched before this but please ah. yeah because yeah, i've seen them mm. wait seen what them i so thought we... no 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 so <laughs> damn it jeremy i i damn I, it I, I was gonna say i i i've i've seen the original theatrical cut so many times that i yeah. i know it back and forth and uh-huh. i just watched that the argento cut because i hadn't seen that in a while i've seen them all um, and sure. I even just saw the one that they added 3d and made it 4k in the theater not too long ago that was awesome um, I know it's crazy to think, Dawn? but the 3D actually worked. Um, I'll explain in a bit. Um, okay, was that was that yeah, at Beyond Fest? Uh, it was part of the, it was part of the Cinematic Void. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So those guys that helped put on Beyond Fest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Argento cut is basically um like aliens to alien. It's the action version of that movie. You know, it's mm. just, it gets right to things. It, it doesn't mess around. There's some extra stuff in there when it comes to the, um, the shootout in the, in the projects or in the, right. uh, you know, the mm-hmm. mixed income mm-hmm. living, um, area. And, uh, so it's, 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 it's just a faster film really. Yeah. Clearly they were making it for a different audience or cutting it for a different audience. Right. And it, it loses, it loses a lot of the, uh, the MIDI and, whatever kind of nonsense music that they play out of the the speakers and it's it's all goblin it's it <laughs> yeah, feels it, it feels it feels much more uh, carpenterish to me in a right, lot of ways right you mean music wise yeah, yeah yeah goblin i think it was pretty I similar think, I, it's it's like ironically like i, I feel like i i, I mean i'm cuz i'm i'm not a huge argento fan i i love suspiria but a lot of his other movies i feel can be really slow but I, I like ironically I felt he made all the right choices for that one which is odd because I feel like comparatively to Night you know the theatrical cut of Dawn is so much more drug out and you know prolonged for kind of no reason bloated you mean yeah but you when you're saying Argento cut like which Argento Dario or Claudio uh, D- Dario, Dario. Oh, okay. And Claudio Argento because Claudio produced it, uh, produced it but mm-hmm. yeah. I thought you were saying he did the cut as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Argento had some major pull around this time, like. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he he I, I think he, he was got the one Don pushing. Made. Yeah, he was the one pushing George to to make it, 
Yeah, they, they, he was George didn't want to do it. He was sick of the studio. You know, he wanted to continue doing his own thing. And right, Argento was like, "Meet me in New York." And he met, took a train to New York and met Argento there, and they hit it off and became like really good buddies. But he he got that made for him. Yeah, I think he yeah. just the only thing he required was we need a cut for Italy. You know, and I have my own cut, and that was that was easy enough for Romero to do. He's like, sure, you know, yeah, to get my movie made. Um. Just to kind of clarify a second ago, like, you know, the reason I wanted to watch the theatrical cut, I, I still think it's kind of valid on this one, is that, like, you know, part of this, this series is to, like, to explore how, how this, you know, movie monster came to be. And this movie, the Dawn of the Dead theatrical cut, was a seminal film in that development. And Night of the Living Dead spawned a bunch of zombie movies. Uh through almost like I don't know 1967 it, you know it, and then then it started to taper off and then Dawn came back and became such a huge hit apparently it was the biggest hit of the original trilogy even though you know I don't know what Night is sort of better remembered uh, culturally and everything else but um well Night 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 had the the benefit of of being played on late night television the accessibility right. of it constantly because it was Free, right, you know, right, that. exactly. And Dawn, Dawn is the exact opposite. Yeah, it was, it's kind of that. Um, it's a Wonderful Life of effect where you know, right, you, you right, exactly. You, or Shawshank, where it's like you know, you just play it and play it and play it until it becomes a classic. Right. But um, but but essentially, you know, Dawn came out uh, in whatever that was seventy nine, and then for the next like decade, because of that sort of the the success of Dawn uh, and the popularity of it. A zombie movie was made and released sort of every eight weeks uh, right. for the next decade. I mean, it was, Jesus, it was insane. Really? Yeah. Um, and so, so anyway, so so it, because that became such a cultural phenomenon, I felt like okay, you know, I hadn't seen it in years and years, and so I thought it'd be good to watch the theatrical again. Um, I'm definitely interested in seeing the the uh, international cut, kind of for the differences, but I, I felt like just for this uh, project itself, it it seemed like the most relevant one would be the theatrical one. But um, out of the two films, definitely uh, enjoyed Dawn more. You know, the opening and particularly even the the ending, you know, feel very, uh, um, you know, doomed and apocalyptic. Um, and, you know, so it's it's not like uh, it's super enjoyable, e- even though the sort of the middle of it, uh, you're, you could kind of get into what's happening and, you know, feel the the character's perspective of like, okay, I, we've got something to do here. This is sort of our new world or whatever. And you're enjoying while that's happening. It still doesn't, it doesn't end well. They're, they're yeah, about exactly. to they're run like, out oh. of gas. They're going to, yeah, they're yeah. going to die eventually. It's just, we don't get to see that. That's the only thing they, they got away right. from that mess, but there's a next one. We yeah cut away before they, they uh, inevitably crash that helicopter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which is funny because, you know, while they're sitting there like moving the trucks to cover the doors, it's like, the guy sitting there with a the helicopter the whole time, like, hey, save the fuel, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Start siphoning the gas out of the trucks. Yeah. Is that the same fuel? Who knows? <laughs> but it's funny. I, You know, Dawn is very much an allegory. And, you know, the movie as a metaphor feels, you know, very interesting. But for me, especially with the theatrical cut, you know, even though it's like the, the middle, like there are some entertaining points or whatever, it starts to lose momentum on plot and then it becomes these montages and like, uh, you know, they, they start, you know, kind of recreating what the uh, Saturday evening post 
uh, idea of uh, a family is, and they're like, what are we doing? You know, they, they had that moment. Yeah. You know, so like those things as a, a metaphor or whatever still work, you know, the, the consumerism, the, like the hollowness of, uh, you know, this sort of, uh, late capitalism, you know, like, you know, life, uh, all of that is working, but I, I feel like, you know, some, some of that stuff, like, you know, because the, the plot isn't, isn't, uh, working or like, you know, some of these other, um, set pieces don't uh connect the same way like it doesn't have the same uh captivating and entertaining movie uh part of it that night does uh because you, you kind of had to have to like forgive a lot of that you know the, the nougaty center of the film um right for, for dawn you mean right where, whereas whereas with with with, with night you, it's just you're propelled and it's just you know once you get to that house it's just you know you're on a rocket sled to the end right and you can't turn it off you know? I, I could see that being kind of um, I think that could serve the story in Dawn only because once they got to that idyllic life and the Norman Rockwell painting, like you said, um, mm-hmm. just that really beautiful uh, living room that they created, I think that's when life, all of a sudden, those people that have lived during this time no longer had any purpose before they were moving, you know, um, so... Uh, Roger yeah, and that's true. you know they, they were they were police and they were they were trying to clean up you know whatever um neighborhoods and things were ransacked by rioters looters whatever that was mm-hmm. um and then you've also got Flyboy who was working for the news and so was Fran she was working for the news so they all had purpose and all of a sudden that purpose is gone so I think that that boredom kind of does set in and in a way that movie does lull you there's that one shot in particular when uh, Ken Foray's character, he tries to make dinner for Flyboy and Fran, you know, and just right. to like, this is for you guys now. This is, you know, you guys, just for the two of you. And he kind of went out and hung out by the grave that they dug for Roger. Um, right. But, you know, there's that slow pullback of uh, the two of them in bed together, clearly like out of it, not interested in each other anymore, not really understanding what the next step in their life is because, again, purpose is gone once. They literally had everything for them. They had food. They had shelter. They had safety. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. only for a short time. I, I, I guess the, the the idea that I I took away was that it's um, there there's no real luxury anymore, knowing that that there's this hellscape basically surrounding them. So, you know, all all kind of material goods are 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 fleeting and and not really you know going to give you any kind of sense of of satisfaction or happiness. It's it's just kind of dressing. I think Peter Peter was his name. Is that Ken Foray's character? I think yes. Um, when he's playing tennis against the wall, you know, there's mm-hmm. that scene of him just working out up up on the the roof of the building and tennis mm-hmm. ball, and it finally flies past him, and it lands right next to a skull, and then there's the dead are still there, and it's just like this shit's still going on. Do not ignore right. it. Like they're not they're not in a good place, and then that's when. You know, Savini and the and the crew come and and try to fuck their shit up. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 it was all an inevitability that I, I right. guess they they felt. Um, you know, even though they, they they were in paradise, they were basically living on borrowed time, and and they knew that. And is um, it months? It, I feel like they were in there for months, right? They they show a calendar. I, I I'm not. I yeah. didn't catch how long. Yeah, I was did. gonna say that the calendar theme is is much stronger in uh, Day of the Dead, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> opening shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, Again, the best part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Fulci. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we noticing a theme here. <laughs> 
But I do like that um, you wanted to watch Zombie 2 first, um, mostly because I'm, I'm assuming because of the shot of New York with the, the walking right. dead kind of entering the city. Right. That, that, that seemed like the, the, the perfect entry point. And, and that's interesting because Don's an East Coast or Pittsburgh film, but still, you know, close enough that that would have been the first wave um, coming from that direction. So that that's right. an interesting take. And the scenes of the, the bodies in the burlap bag were a straight up, you know, rehash of, of what they did in Dawn um, when they're cleaning out that project. It's just, oh, yeah. that's a rough scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially, uh, you know, putting that in the 2020 context. I mean, exactly. uh, you know, R- Romero uh, definitely uh, had our fucking number, man. He, uh, yeah, he, he definitely he, he did. Called, he called it on that one. <laughs> well, I, just to go back to uh, what we're talking about with, with Donna and the idea of this, you know, this is where the sort of limitation of the apocalyptic zombie movie gets met, which is um, anytime the characters have to stop and think about what this possible future could be. Uh, you start running into the problem of there sort of is no future. Um, right. And it becomes this exploration of, uh, you know, nihilism and purposelessness. And just on a, another sort of more basic level, the, you know, in night, for instance, they're trapped in that house. They're trying to make it until dawn which, you know, maybe during the sunlight, they'll be able to get out of there or do something else. But in this one, they get there, they decide to stay. It then has that moment of like, yeah, that's right. This thing isn't working. This thing isn't working. But, you know, in so doing and like making it uh, a, you know, the doldrums, um, it then, you know, sort of like loses this momentum in the, in the storytelling and, you know, it's not until the sort of more immediate danger of Tom Savini and the biker gang and the, the sons of, of Savini, yeah. uh, you know, roll in there. Of course, right. it's the humans that are the ones that really screw it up for him. Yeah. Right. I, I guess in, in, in night and day, it's, it's sort of this ideological uh, clash that they, they, they have. And in dawn, it's, it's just literally a siege um, right. you know, that's, that's coming for them. So it's, you, it's, you see, if you if you see some of the um, the looters, you know they they got a full army with them. You know when he says that, when 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 you take right. a look at some of the guys that come into the into the mall and are working with those looters, um, they are a lot of the characters that you see earlier in the film. And I'm sure it was to save costs, um, <laughs> right? But right. but again, like serving the story, those people that may have been working normal jobs or police, they might have turned over to that side and they might have become that side of the, you know, the, that type of person, you know, and they kind of gave right, up their right. own life, might as well become, you know, what everyone else is doing. And that, I, I thought that was interesting. Somebody brought that up to me. I thought that was a cool point. Hmm. Wait, you're talking about the, the rednecks at the beginning? The, no, so some of the cops, like Joe Pilato is actually the one that's in Day of the Dead, you right, know, uh, Rhodes. Right. He's in Dawn of the Dead. Um yeah, I yeah. pointed that out to to Jeremy because they're he's he's in it for like two shots. Yeah, uh, when, when when they're like refueling the the helicopter, he has a line in the extended cut. There, there's another. Yeah, cut. yeah. There's a lot more of them in yeah. the extended version, which is cool. <clears throat> Not sure where I was going with that, but that's just extra stuff. Sure. <laughs> well, because you you were saying that there were. Oh, cops, I'm sorry. Yeah, cops so that sort of turned into like you know the roving biker gangs or whatever. Jo- yeah, Joe Pilato and his partner. The, they're having some fun uh, 
for the the remaining months of their their life in the apocalypse or whatever, like going out with a blaze of glory. They've been cops, yeah, and might as well maybe change things over. Clearly, those guys are trying to make it out of town at the same time, and you know they ask, "Well, where are you guys going?" To the island. What island? <laughs> Any island. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Ironically, yeah, they they're they're the ones going to the island, and then in day, but it's the uh, the other. I people. think those actors show up then again with Savini, the sons of Savini that uh, enter later. Um, to, I think, uh, yeah, I think I think I think at least one of them does. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I, I do want to touch on more of like a technical thing. Um, so Don obviously brought about Tom Savini and the VFX or the special effects that he was doing. And, and at the time, I mean, they still look awesome, in my opinion. They're really fun. And um, clearly they were going for more of a. Well, Savini worked on, on night also. Uh, he was going to. I think he was he was in he was at, he was in the war at the time he was a he was a photographer at the time he was out in Vietnam he was going to be part of that group. I I thought I thought he did work on on night like not not as extensively as he did on Dawn but I I'm pretty sure he, he worked on it. He probably yeah. helped out George because they had known each other for a long time. Yeah. Um, but this is like kind of his movie where he became the makeup effects artist of the late seventies and eighties. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Fulci was trying to cash in on the gore factor of the first one, um, you know, without the soul, I would say. Um, so the gore uh, of, of Dawn, you mean the, 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 yeah, the, the gore of Dawn, um, while like removing any sort of semblance of soul or, you right. know, a story, <laughs> um, from Dawn. Um, but like the zombies in, in, in zombie weren't that great. Um, I thought the kills in it were, were there were a few few good ones in there, but nothing really compares to like the the onslaught that the, some of these zombies take on from uh, from the group, when, especially when they go to clear out the mall in the in, the, in that very initial scene of them clearing out the mall. We got to go mm. on a hunt, and it was just yeah, great I scenes. Mean, in in, um, in Dawn, you can see the contrast in, in filmmaking and storytelling. Every time that there's an assault, you know where the zombies are you know where the danger is you're oriented as to what's happening uh in in zombie 2 particularly toward the end it's just like things are just happening and it's just like it's like okay i guess that's happening now you know you're just like totally disoriented most of the time yeah and it was one of those attempts at trying to make you care about uh characters and then killing them off you know the couple that they the, the journalist and the, the lady looking for her um, her, her dad um, when mm-hmm. they rented the boat from them or chartered the boat from them. Oh, uh, Tisa Farrow, the sister of Mia, who right. somehow looks like a cross between, I don't know, Karen Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis or something. She's Mia Farrow's sister? Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. Didn't act in a lot of movies, but... Uh... There- there were a couple moments where, like, you know, the the sun was catching her at the right angle, and it, it looked a lot like Halloween, and I kept <laughs> expecting her to be like, Lori! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I had no idea. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, that was... I just got to bring this up just because it was an odd scene, but her doing the topless uh, scuba diving, or the topless oh, yeah. snorkeling was just an odd choice. Uh, very, very European for some reason. <laughs> it it did it did lead into the the shark fight with the zombie though, which is obviously classic from this film. And I, I wanted to bring that up too. Um, is that I think this movie is known for you know moments. There's you know mm-hmm. the the eye gouge is as the moment. You know that's oh, the one that you see oof. on a lot of t shirts and posters and such. 
And then, yeah. you know, the one that comes up out of the, the ground, that's like the cover art uh, zombie right. with the with the worms coming out of his eyes. And then, obviously, there's the shark attack. Um, so, right. yeah, I, I think we're delving in enough to find out that why this movie did gain some popularity. It just was like those um, water cooler moments, if you will, yeah. that you could chat about once you saw the movie. Yeah, I mean, oh, exactly. it, it's, it's, you know, uh, horror porn with like, you know, very there loose plot connecting uh, set pieces. Yeah, that's and, a perfect way to describe Fulci, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the shark thing was really crazy. It was really cool. Uh, especially I don't know seeing, how the hell they did that. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, that, that they'd have to um, do that for real. Yeah. And it opens up a lot of weird questions in the sense that like, okay, well, so they zombies can, can like be underwater. Okay, got it. But like <laughs> d- he eats the shark and like, does that shark become a zombie? Like, you know, all that stuff. Right. Shark zombies. I mean, you know, and, and I guess that I mean that's that's how they they get there, right? That that's that that final shot in New York is they they walked they walked there, they walked yeah. underwater. Right, right. It, it's a little like yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, whatever, with like the, the army walking under the water. They they actually do that in Land of the Dead. Yeah, I was gonna say Land of the Dead does that, and which which all kind of uh, recalls a, a nice shot in uh, Carnival of Souls, which. Uh, predates right. Dawn. Obviously, that's not oh, yeah. really a zombie movie, but it it has kind of undead ghouls in it. Um, you yeah, know, you definitely need to be more, on the show. More we ghosts. Definitely need, we're so, I'm so glad you could join us, especially with the Carnival <laughs> of Souls reference. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, I, I like how both of these movies in the 70s kind of, um, it's still barely hanging on by a thread to the original concept of, of zombies, you know, being connected to voodoo, um, you know, zombie two, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, very generic, uh, voodoo drums in the background. They're on, where are they uh, coming from? Does everyone hear them or were we just supposed to hear them? What? Oh yeah, exactly. Is, is that on the soundtrack or is that, uh, is that right? That's what I, like... I was confused on that. And I, <laughs> I thought that that was like part of the like disconnect I got from it. They're, they're, they're like the fireworks today. Everyone hears them, but nobody really knows where the fuck they're coming from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and somehow it's like you know, it's it's um, you know, it's connected to a Caribbean island, an unnamed Caribbean island. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that island, uh, you know, supposed to uh, evoke imagery of of Haiti? Uh, and yet everyone speaks Spanish. But, um, <laughs> you know, at least it has that connection there. Um, right. And then I guess, you know, Dawn does the same thing, which in the importance of the sort of evolution of this uh, movie monster, uh, Dawn is one of the more important ones because they, this is the first time they sort of explicitly connect, you know, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, whatever, to uh, like the creature of a zombie, you know, where we see Night of the Living Dead, it's the adaptation of ghouls from the last man on earth minus the sort of slight vampire tendencies that they had in last man and then it turns into this other type of creature in dawn which is then finally sort of explicitly called a zombie for once right right and then ken ken foray is the first one who calls them zombies Yep. When those bay doors open, there's going to be a thousand zombies in here. That'll take the heat off us. These guys are going to have their hands full. Yeah, apparently first and only one, at least in the original trilogy, the original Romero trilogy. Yep. 
Um, and then, you know, he talks about how his grandfather was, uh, you know, from Trinidad and, yeah. you know, uh, um, the, uh, has the famous line about, uh, when there's no more no room more in hell, room in hell. the dead will walk the earth. Yeah. You know, Macumbo? Voodoo. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. You know, so it, it still has that gossamer thin uh, connection to the, the sort of roots of what um, zombies were. And then, you know, because of that connection, it then creates this other genre that kind of comes out of this. Um, and you know, these two movies in particular, uh, reanimated corpses, uh, that lumber and desire flesh and all this stuff of the living, uh, it puts them with the label zombie. Uh, and then from then on, you know, like there's an explosion of zombie movies and they all sort of have, um, these, um, more or less sort of start to create this new monster even though again like it, it's not until sort of after this time that they these monsters are referred to as as zombies sort of going forward uh and, and then also in retrospect we'll, we'll call things like the monsters in night of the living dead zombies right because I, I i don't i think they're just called ghouls in night ghouls. yeah mm-hmm. they, I, think, I think someone on the radio calls them you know these reanimated ghouls you know whatever mm-hmm. exactly um, and then, you know, like, is that what people are supposed to recognize what a ghoul is over anything else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a ghoul. Right, right. It's like, Wait, you mean hell, like a zombie? <laughs> the hell's a ghoul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I like um, when Peter Kenfore's character, when he brings up his grandfather in Trinidad, because I think that kind of shows that he himself is trying to define what is going on as well. And... There was right. something that my grandfather talked about when I grew up. This is the closest thing that I can relate, so that's what they are. And I, I right. thought that was was interesting. And then that's that thin line, right? It, it it's just another uh, speculation in a you know litany of uh, of speculation. So in the first one, okay, maybe it was uh, radiation from a meteor, or like, uh, and and then we hear the possibly the sort of uh, you know the voodoo explanation of the, when there's no more room in hell. I, I thought that was one of my favorite favorite parts of Dawn of the Dead what were the um, debates that were going on on television. You know, these guys felt like right. it was still important to discuss this, you know, for the world to know, um, even though these all of these television stations were getting shut down one by one. All of right. the all of the station um the aid stations that people were getting sent to, they were all closed down. They're like, ah, put them up. You know, we need to get the ratings, you know, if they right, if we don't have right. them up on the screen, they'll they'll stop watching. It's like <laughs> Oh the, yeah, yeah. And she's I, like, "I'm not going to send people to die somewhere. But we don't right. know if it's even open still." <laughs> it's a good media satire. But, but the idea is like, there's all these like sort of uh, I don't know what plausible theories, but sort of nothing sort of concretely put down in, in place. You know, like, and he's never explained it in uh, in in Last Man on Earth. Like, it's 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 very specifically a plague. Yep. Um, you know, while in the Romero uh, Dead movies the way it's treated is, is also very plague-like. I mean, mm-hmm. the, at least the, the first one and, and the second one here, Dawn, and, you know, it sort of taps into uh, sort of, you know, human fears of plague and contagion, right? You get these un- unknown, uh, you know, unseen 
uh, things in the air that then, you know, uh, have deadly effects on us. And people debating it all on TV. Right. It's, it's happening right now. What are the choices? They won't run out of food, young lady. That's the problem, you see. And they won't run out of food while we're still alive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like a lot of like, you know, gas bagging on TV and on podcasts. And like, uh, <laughs> and, but, but it's like, you know, but, but then, you know, what's kind of interesting is that he, you know, this uh, fear of, of plagues is, isn't really what's at the center of it. It's more the fear of death. And yep. then that fear of death as this uh, academic uh, Peter Dendel writes about zombies. He, he says like, death in a zombie movie isn't a period it's a comma it, you know it, <laughs> it there's this like other existence that happens after it right that you know is is almost even worse and the zombie movie essentially sort of destroys the notion that we've all had for uh you know centuries of an afterlife and uh sort of in that sense like the zombie becomes a you know terrifying movie monster that you know taps into uh, you know a lot of different anxieties Oh yeah, um, and you know it encompasses it all in all in one package. It's definitely not what I was taught growing up of what's going to happen when I die. <laughs> you're just going to yeah. get back up and you're going to eat all the you're, people that you. You're going to attack the person next door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're you're nothing but hungry. You really have no reason to eat, according to Day of the Dead. Um, you just kind of right. do it out of instinct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the um, these movies as a metaphor for uh, social change. You know when you look at night um it you know came out in 1968 which is you know a, a very very um uh well i guess i was gonna say a, a turbulent year but i guess uh, a year that uh, we all could uh relate to at this point um with um a, a lot of uh, you know social upheaval right and you know when you're when you're watching it you're you could see it through the lens of um the old world dying and this new world, you know, coming in to, to take it over. And, you know, you have a sort of, uh, unlike maybe a, a mummy as a, as a movie monster, that's uh, some sort of like undead royalty. And as a single individual, you know, this is, uh, the more blue collar, uh, you know, faceless, uh, you know, um, you know, hordes and i i, I want to read uh, one other quote real quick from uh peter dendel this is from his uh movie zombie movie encyclopedia um uh dendel writes uh zombies are blue collar undead banding together in loose mobs and endeavoring to compensate their sheer numbers for what they lack in individual speed or strategy from the plantation and white zombie to the shopping mall slaves of declining western civilization and dawn Zombie embodies the ultimate uh, Marxist working class society. And what he means by that is like sort of the idea that the monsters all have sort of the ultimate solidarity for what they're doing. They, they, they don't, it's not about the individual. And, you know, that aspect of it is such an interesting part to how this monster is, is so different than any other, you know, monster with like, you know, whether it be a, a single wolf man or, the idea of a, a a vampire or whatever else like you know they, they don't move in these hordes they don't act as 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 a as a single unit like a, a, as a you know a collection of ants or whatever or a collection of worker bees doing a thing that there there's this like there's only one dracula you know um right. yeah exactly a, a more of a, a singular 
you know, hero figure in, in some of those other things. Um, but it, anyway, it was interesting. Like, uh, and this guy, uh, has a lot of writing on zombies. It's, it's kind of fascinating if you want to read his stuff, but, um, he takes a really academic approach to, to you know, what, what could seem on the surface is very exploitative and, uh, you know, just, um, you know, dismissive, uh, movies, you know? Right. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, I, but it, the, the, the political satire and commentary is just kind of built into the, the fabric of them. Um, you know, so you can analyze them to death, but you don't need to, you know, it's just for pure, pure yeah, academia. Yeah, for sure. Needing something to write besides whatever. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I guess there's uh you know, the, the guy could just be uh, lo- loving the sound of his own voice, but the, the idea is that like, you know, I, I'm sure, um, he didn't want to write about European socialism. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not European. Yeah. I'm not a socialist. <laughs> I'm not going to be European. Isms, in my opinion, are not good. Isms. Um, but, um, the, uh, but, but, but clearly, you know, Romero had, uh, uh, you know, that was his intent to, to have this deeper reading of these things, you know, you know, which is why you include uh, a lot of these things with like, you know, the, you know, uh, the metaphors of like the breaking down of the family and uh you know the empty sort of consumeristic uh, drive in and dawn you know right. the, the, them sort of like trying to recreate the norman rockwell as we said earlier um it's definitely romero's intention to have that now he does it in a way where you know it's put into this entertaining rapper uh the, the, these ideas are, are surrounded in an entertaining rapper it, it's not uh you know horribly you know didactic or dialectical or whatever it's like it's just it's it's you know showing you uh this story now my sort of you know criticism of dawn was that it had to take a a break from sort of the driving you know through line of the story in order to do all this and what i mean perhaps there there were better ways to like inject more plot beats to like keep the momentum going uh but it is clearly sort of what um he was intending and it's definitely one of those things where because it's you know in an entertaining pop culture movie you know you can have a lot of you know interesting thought-provoking ideas but it's done in a way that you know people can consume it and not you know have to like feel like the, the their brain hurts or it's like you know not doing it in an academic uh, text or whatever yeah it's it's it is funny to think of these as as consumeristic products themselves just because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they, they they they're not they really they really aren't i mean i mean it, you know if you look at any sort of modern day blockbuster everything is so neatly resolved usually by the end of things unless it's like a cliffhanger to something else um despite dawn's uh strongest efforts with, with that uh wonderful ridiculous music at the end of it to kind of give it this peppy ending um Despite the fact that they explicitly say that they're almost out of fuel or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, it's slapping a band- Band-Aid on an open wound, and, and, and you're was, just like... it was a blockbuster, right? Like, didn't it just destroy at the at the theater? Didn't? Oh, didn't... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for well, sure. This is, it, this it is was... right right after Star really Wars, successful. so everyone, everyone was, like, hungry for the next big thing, and this was yeah. the closest thing to a comic book movie you could get, so... <laughs> Well, it's an, e- e- an, an, an EC comic, I guess, but exactly, you know. and I, you know, I think that that's what he was going for. I mean, obviously his commentary, but he was going for an entertaining ride more than anything. Right, right, which is why he wanted to do it in color and all that. So, 
And especially the blood being that 3M stage blood, which shows up <laughs> literally orange on, on film. And, right, right. you know, he's like, that's what they look like in the comics. So let's go for it. You know, big, yeah. big blasts. And just because nice, uh, I don't think he was really trying to like gross anybody out for outside of the, you know, just to laugh about it later. You know, like it was more of right. just look, look at we, we ripped this dude in half. You know, we 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 took this guy out of one of the things that people use all the time. For right, the, right. Heart rate the, monitor, the you know, blood, blood pressure. Yeah, the blood Machine. pressure monitor. There, there was definitely <laughs> a uh, a uh, more of a, a joy and a, a fun and a whoa, like uh, attitude with how the uh, zombies were were dispatched in this one. You know, and the Hare Krishna zombie was, it was yeah, very tongue in cheek. Right, right. Pie in the face. Exactly. All all that stuff. Versus, I, I, I my memory anyway of uh, of day was was that it was a lot more grim with how it was portraying these things, and like you know, when that guy gets like shredded from both ends or whatever. Joe yeah. got him. <laughs> he he's turned into pulled pork. No, but just going back on on what you're saying there, Michael. What was interesting is that like yeah, because the music at the end ends on this sort of hopeful note it sort of like tricks your emotions into feeling like it's more hopeful than it actually is like from from what's said and what you're presented with intellectually you, you know they're fucked but right. when you hear it and you're like okay da, 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 they ride off into the sunset oh okay great and you know it feels like it's uh you know a satisfying ending and, and that's that's sort of like a really uh, yeah. interesting thing that is hard to pull off in any other medium and somehow you know in film you can get away with things like that, like making it feel like you've gotten to a, sort of a satisfying or happy ending. Uh, and yet like just intellectually, you know, that, that there's, there's nowhere to go. There's no way out. No hope. Know? There's yeah. zero hope. Yeah. This, this roaming hellscape that yeah. <laughs> has, has taken over this, this yeah. paradise. And fallen, only getting worse, know? right? Yeah, it's it, never getting better. It's only compiling on top of itself. And right. when they leave, and if it was a few months that they were away at this uh, mall, they don't know what it's like anymore. So there could have been a drastic shift, yeah. and, like this drastic increase, and they might have gone, you know, a hundred miles or two hundred miles with the fuel that they had, and they're fucked. You know, like they're in an right, area where right. they're just completely trashed. And where the hell were they going to end up? <laughs> right, right. They 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 talk about that in in day quite a bit. They're like, oh, we went a hundred miles in either direction up the coast, and we didn't find anybody. And yep. then, you know, later they, they keep reiterating that to Rhodes. It's like, where would you go? It's like, where, this is this is it. This is as good as it's going to get, you know? They outnumber us 186,000 to one, I believe. Right. For calculations. <laughs> We're Dr. fucked. Dr. Frankenstein. You know? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah it, it's really bleak in day. Um, Dawn has, um, I guess that there's still some time left to, to actually, like, enjoy yourself. You can still maybe find another mall, um, but by right, day, right. nothing is around. <laughs> there's nothing's left. It's, well, it's, with, yeah. with Dawn, it, um, you know, because of, yeah, like, like the things like the Hare Krishna and, like, the, you know, all the little jokes the in the middle of player. it. And, yeah. you know, um, them having fun in the mall, like, you, you know, with the abandoned mall thing, like, there is this idea of like, um, there's sort of this fantasy outlet of like, yeah, it would be fun to kind of like, you know, have your way uh, with a mall and just do whatever yeah. you want there. And, you know, cost is no object. Uh, you know, um, you know, the, the mall is your oyster or whatever. Like, so, so that there is that level of sort of fun in the movie that, you know, um, that this uh, apocalypse has afforded and you don't think the about arcade. that part of it, but then, the, yeah, exactly. Um, obviously though, like, 
intellectually, you know, like sort of hanging over all of this is that, you know, everything is, is gone. And this is uh, just sort of the, um, the, the, the last uh, gasp. Yeah. Which I, which I never felt that way from Fulci's zombie. Um, I never felt like there was, I mean, we, we knew they were doomed. Like this group was, you know, kind of an unlikable group to begin with. Like no <laughs> one was really yeah, exactly. like that great. Um, I, I felt like the main journalist was kind of creepy. Um, so I, I wasn't, I didn't have his back at all. The couple that they meet, I just thought were pretty bland and lame and it was, yeah. there, nothing was fleshed out with them at all. But in Dawn, you know, you really give a shit about these guys, you know, especially right. Roger. Like, I think Roger, he was like one of your, at least for me, he was like my favorite character and he's the one that has to go. And it, it played that out perfect. Like he was the one that was kind of the bridge between Peter and, uh, you know, the rest of the group, you know, he's the one that introduced them. He's like, no, this is a good guy. He's the one that kind of got everyone together to go do the hunt. He was very good at what he did. He just got a little cocky and that's, you know, his, his cockiness was fun you know, especially when he was like sliding down the escalator and right. there was like those moments that they're running around. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, losing him that, you know, stuck with me. That was a really hard one to take. Um, and then I, I also thought losing Flyboy sucked too, you know, and um, arguably he's probably the ve- best zombie in, in any of Romero's movies. You know, he, he I, moves, I think like, Romero said dead. that he, he said yeah. he was his favorite zombie. <laughs> Cause just, he's just got his, that great uh, walk with the, yeah. with the gun on his finger and <laughs> broken, everything. broken leg or whatever. And his yeah, messed just, up arm. And cause he got mangled um, yeah. when he, when he got it. So that was a really rough one, but um, I don't think that Fulci captured any of that um in zombie i wasn't like i I was ready to see the next person get killed and i'm like how are they going to do this one and they never (laughs) really they never really um hit that bar of the the eye gouge again in that movie it was kind of like that was the the pinnacle of the kills and 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 thank god that was fucking gross (laughs) it was pretty good i love how in in in, uh in zombie 2 uh, all of the bites and all of the arms and all of the like, you know, <laughs> skin that was eaten off is like all, all made of mochi or whatever. It was just like that kind of like stretchy, pulley, uh, you know, disgusting, was, yeah, like goo, Very... yeah, <laughs> like aerated yeah. goo is what that was. It was like you know, like real skin. Yeah, it, it's the kinetic sand. It was just like it was like <laughs> oh, nasty. <laughs> Um, and also the zombies were kind of just people with a with a little bit of mud and red paint on their face. They just kind of had a little bit of covering. It's like almost like they just like had a big handful of makeup. Yeah. Like, All right, get on camera now. You know. Yeah. Go well, walk it, slow. As uh, transparent as, as that was, like it it was a much um, more viscerally disgusting look than even like the the blue uh, Tom Savini uh, zombies. Well, but and those those were meant to be more cartoony you know yeah blue was a, a choice yeah it, exactly but like the i i think just to, to tie this all back together real quick was like that the idea is that like in, in terms of the evolution it, not only this, was this the the place where we finally get the name zombie connected with this type of monster but uh it is also where we sort of like zero in on this idea of um you know these decaying corpses uh, and these really disgusting, falling apart bodies that are attacking everyone. Whereas, you know, there's a little bit of that in Night for sure. Um, that... But they were fresh. They were they were they were new at that point. Yeah, right. but, it, but it's it's um, it is a lot more uh, acute in Dawn, and then especially Zombie Two. Um, 
which then well, you know, when you have the conquistadors waking up from their slumber, <laughs> they're, they're definitely going to be a little bit uh, decomposed the, at this point. They were only buried under, you know, <laughs> l- less less than an inch of, of, of dirt. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like two, two inches of sand and like 500 years of decomposition. I wanted to bring that up. <laughs> right. There's a lot of uh, references to the conquistadors in those in those films. I, I'm just wondering what the connection is. Maybe it's something we can discuss or look up like in between. But they, they mentioned that a lot. And it just seemed like that was kind of thrown in there at one point of the of the movie i didn't find any real reference as to why they why they were there or what why they why they referenced them or why that was like in, so important in, in zombie in, two right yeah exactly like it just oh there's more dead people down here yeah well it it, it you know it, it has to do with you know the the colonialism of hispaniola uh which is you know so that was the combined uh you know chunk of land that is now divided into Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Um, and, you know, even though this island was, you know, not named and it wasn't on the map and it was a tiny little island, you know, it uh, seemed to have fallen in that same sort of like, uh, you know, conquered uh, West Indies, um, you know, framework. And, you know, uh, it seems like it's, you know, more or less, you know, some of that commentary uh, from, from Fulci but less realized than uh, the commentary that that Romero does, mm. and I, I think if you want to tie that back into White Zombie and like the the origin of sort of zombies in pop culture, it is this idea that like zombies as we understand them are a product of colonialism, and you know the slavery in uh, San Domain, which became Haiti, and the idea is you know the sort of this you know it 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 brought with it this uh original sin which is now in terms of the movies like you know coming back to to bite us right it's the it's the Mm. the collateral damage it's it's the um it's the uh, war coming home the yeah yeah, yeah. those repercussions exactly uh echo you know echoing throughout time Mm -hmm. and uh in fulci's world i guess he seems to be exploring that slightly uh although like his explorations in the movie, uh, you know, are are much bigger reaches than uh, <laughs> than than the than the ones in Dawn, where you know you yeah. can clearly see that you know this is something he's going for. In in, in Zombie Two, you're kind of uh, looking through the tea leaves and the and the mud caked eye worms to uh, figure it out. Right, <laughs> eye worms. He could he could shoot an eye worm, man. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I know. I feel like he he kind of missed a a great uh, connection there in in having the uh, the the woman who has her eye gouged out just you know turning into a zombie and you know Did, wait, doesn't the worms she, though, later on squirm or? out. No, no, they're they're it, just it, eating in her. the in the barnstorm scene later on. Oh, okay. No, yeah, there's just like six or seven of them at at one point eating her. Um, that's how yeah. they find out that zombies have infiltrated the. I guess the village or the the safe village where she was supposed to stay here, <laughs> stay safe, right. you know. And then all of a sudden, there's something in her. They never really explain how that thing got in her house either. All of a sudden, she closes the door and can't close it all the way, and this thing's like right behind it. Right. I when I was watching that, I thought, oh, okay, her husband's trying to kill her because she's gonna expose him as being. The, and I was like, I was thinking too hard, I guess, about that'd the movie. <laughs> that'd have been a really great plot like that have been that have been a, fun that have been something a good, a good twist <laughs> yeah yeah which would have made uh, sense for the uh the eye in impellation because the uh or impalement yeah, 
I, I think that um, this movie would have benefited from taking more from White Zombie, and the Doctor could have been controlling um, these zombies and using them as you know a future weapon that he'd be able to unleash upon the world. Obviously, if it got out of hand, that this is something that would have happened. But if his wife is trying to screw him over, he'd be like, "Yep, I'm going to dial up you know eye gouge zombie and have him go after her." And right. then that's, you know, that had been a really cool yeah. twist later on. Well, I, I it probably would be, uh, but I, I think the, and, and especially if we did something like that now, maybe, but like the idea that like at this time, it's like the idea of a zombie was going away from that, uh, uh, controlled, controlled, uh, you know, puppet master, mm-hmm. uh, to just being a pestilence that's uh you know the earth now has to deal with you know it's like yeah this this movie could have benefited from a little bit of uh background (laughs) i think i I think that's the only like even if there was one scene of some explanation like i think that would have really saved this one from it's just you know a Mm. turd of a plot is how i described it before yeah yeah (laughs) no exactly and i I think it would yeah it, it it would take a lot to kind of uh you know, bring home the bacon on that one and, and connect all those like disparate yeah. set pieces and like, you know, the just completely paper thin characterization and all these other things. But um I mean I guess yeah, that's that's just the hallmark of, of all of Fulci's movies, you know. So paper thin Yeah. <laughs> paper thin plot and paper thin skin, fake skin paper, on people. Paper thin marshmallow covering. <laughs> right. I mean and it is too bad because I mean I, I feel I feel like with a little with a little tweaking you know, his movies could have actually had some sort of, uh, you know, quality to them. You know, not just, not just a, a kind of superficial, you know, uh, exploitation quality. You know. Well, you guys want to uh, go on the horn, give some final thoughts on, uh, I guess, either both of these movies together, how they connect, or, uh, you know, uh, you know, thoughts on the movies themselves. Well, no, I mean, not really. They're, they're um, you know, they're, they're, they're interesting. Uh, products of their time for sure um i mean i'm glad they exist in in so many different formats um because you'd probably never see a zombie movie like either of these uh, ever again you know um, no. I, I feel like they were made at a time where the the uh, uh lexicon of, of what zombies were were still being written mm-hmm. um yeah, they, they so, were defining that genre. You yeah, know. they were they were defining it, so it it was really as opposed to imitating it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that the, they still have a you know originality for better or worse yeah. um, to them. They're just as films. I think between the two films, obviously, you know, we've said it already that that Dawn is a better film. Um, but specifically, I, I think that because Dawn doesn't focus on the zombie as being the main antagonist of the film it's just that underlying doom that's always outside of their walls or their safe walls Mm -hmm. um really the the issue is the isolationism the dealing with other human beings um the fact that um you know we were discussing it before that the zombies all have one purpose and that's to roam and to eat and that's what they do um most most likely in herd form or some sort of mass um you know uh grouping um, so the the real problem is that um, humans are so individualistic in the way that they think that you're going to have so many different groups that there's already going to be antagonists from all sorts mm-hmm. of uh, different groups and no one is going to get along until we're all gone. And it's that impending doom or that hopelessness that I think <laughs> Romero really captures in, in Dawn of the Dead. And again, it's lost a little bit in, in Fulci's zombie. 
Yeah, right. you're right. I, like Romero uh, definitely is able to cat, uh, capture that sort of um, that that nihilism, and you know, he he uh, clearly has that perspective that that there isn't a way out. That's embodied by all, all sorts of things in the movies, including like the uh, we're almost out of gas here, and they're, they're the only two humans we see sort of left. I mean, even. The Savini biker gang uh, was mostly decimated. Uh, did people make it out of there? Maybe one or two. Yeah, of them? yeah. There, there were a few of them, yeah. them that were riding out. Now, I, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of what what other the two main zombie movies that I can think of were both made by Bob Clark. Weirdly enough, um, <laughs> children don't play with dead things. Yeah, shouldn't children shouldn't play with dead things in Dead of Night? Which uh, Dead of Night was the movie that I, I was thinking of. That that's the one that Savini first worked on. Um, I, he he must have done oh. like some like photography or something for night, but or maybe he talked to George about it and couldn't do it. But but yeah, but Dead at Night, uh, which is about a returning Viet- Vietnam vet who is a zombie. Yeah, um, you know, uh, is uh, yeah. Anyway, Bob Bob Clark is a, a no joke horror director. Um, no, but Black Christmas is one of my all-time favorite that horror movies. That is one of the, that is if, it, if not I one know, of my all-time favorite movies. Period. I know many people are like <laughs> Halloween is the uh, you it's, know it's the amazing. godfather of slasher films, but Black Christmas is the original uh, the real original masked killer um, at least in the, in the US uh, theat- theaters. Did that um, come that, out before uh, Halloween? Yeah, several years before actually. Oh yeah, it came out yeah. in 73 or 74. So. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, after night uh, especially, I guess overseas, um, you know, in, in Italy, Spain, England, uh, there were, you know, this series of zombie movies. I guess some of the stuff from Hammer. Uh, I don't know what there's. Uh, Virgin Among the Living Dead, uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Uh, oh, that right. sounds Italian. Um, Sugar Hill, uh, Shanks. Uh, 1974, uh, Shockwave. Sugar Hill, I- anyway, that's right. Some, some... Shanks has zombies in it? I thought it was a comedy. Well, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's sort of uh, described as you know remote control family members. So it's like, you know, again, like the idea of, of what zombies are hasn't like solidified yet. Hmm. Sugar um, Hill is a... Oh, it's just the wrong. I was looking. At the you're wrong you're thinking of the the uh, Wesley Snipes. Wesley one. Snipes one. Yeah, no. Yeah. This is in the 70s. Uh, it's like a black exploitation movie. Um, Interesting. A mute puppeteer uses a deceased scientist's invention to control dead bodies like puppets. Huh. And it's directed by William Castle. What? Why have I never heard of this? And it has Don <laughs> Calfe in it. Get the fuck out of Wait, here. Wait, which one are you talking about? This is Shanks. Oh. I did not know that. Wow. Okay. Well, learn learn something new every day. Well, anyway, so so the point is that like th- there was this, you know, at some point, uh, night came out, and then there was this little minor wave that it created of like, you know, uh, movies that used similar monsters, and then uh, that wave had sort of died down by 1979 when Dawn came out, and then from then for the next decade. Uh, like I was saying, you know, on average, there was something like a, a zombie movie every eight weeks. Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, Dawn certainly propelled it into the mainstream. Exactly. Uh, and and then, you know, but it also connected this idea of what zombies used to mean, which is like, you know, puppets, to the 
um, rotting dead corpses that came out of a plague or something else uh, mm-hmm. that you know, are unknown and uncontrolled and kind of turned it into this other thing. And like, and you, you get that name applied to it, even though, yes, uh, Knight did that first, but the name wasn't associated with it. The name right. was Zombie. So yep. it sort of puts that into our popular lexicon. And I think it seems like we could almost stop here on the on the zombie evolution, but I think especially with Return of the Living Dead, you get sort of this one extra uh, yes. bit of the mythology that then is like carried on th- sort of throughout uh, you know uh, zombie lore after that, which is essentially the brains <laughs> right. part of it. You know, I mean, you know, the the mythology in that movie. Uh, doesn't follow a lot of other things like you know they're not slow they're uh they can speak they can speak um you know in in whatever form uh, you know, however little of them there is left uh they can still speak of uh, you know full sentences and stuff but, but they but uh, they feel the pain of their yeah. uh, decomposition that's why they're moaning well, yeah, i thought right. that was really interesting that they gave they gave motive to moaning you know like that used to be yeah. just kind of a scary thing and then why are they moaning because they're in pain all the time Right. They're, de- they're decomposing as we speak to them. Yeah. Well, so, I guess we should rot. We should go into uh, the next week's then episode, right? Um, so we're going to be talking about Return of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead. Um, both two released the two same very year. different films. Yeah, both same year. Which I didn't. I had no idea until you brought that up. I thought that they were yeah. different years, but that's crazy that they were the same year. What I, how far know, apart did I, they I, come I, out? I, I, I do wonder uh, if, if if there was a reason for that, and, and you know maybe because Russo, uh, you know, kind of took it upon himself to to do that. Maybe maybe George felt like, oh shit, I gotta protect my uh, my end of the of the zombie deal. Uh, Did and, they not get along, or I, I, was no, there a falling I, I out that, between them? I I don't think there was a falling out or or anything. I, I think they just had a kind of un, unspoken, or, or or maybe just a verbal agreement. You know that like. George could do of the dead, and Russo could do living dead. Because I, I I knew that, that there was something about that 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 Russo wanted to do a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead, and George wanted to keep doing his dead movies. So they they just kind of made that informal agreement. But I I, I don't I don't think they were I don't think they were enemies or anything. I, I think okay. I think it was just like yeah, go do your own thing. You know? Well, yeah, you, sure. You, but it's like you know the sort of creative voices behind. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, had broke off and, and done two different versions of that same monster. And July 1985, Day of the Dead comes out. August 1985, Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> One comes month. Out. Yeah, it's Interesting. just like a, you know, right back to back. Which is which is ironic because uh, Return of the Living Dead takes takes place in July of 1985. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> it like says it. It says it right right in the very beginning. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited to to watch those two back to back. I'm really excited to always watch Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, um, it's. Um, uh, I was well, explaining it, this. It'll be a lot more that, fun than uh, than this kind of like. Oh, totally! Da- yeah, these the, two yeah, downer we're, movies. We're actually going to have a little bit more <laughs> yeah. punk rock fun. Yeah. Um, and that brings me to another point. I think I brought it up the last time we were on was that. Um, I, I, I look at movies more from like the music video or rock star perspective, and I feel like. Uh, Return of the Living Dead fits right into that punk rock of the 80s mm. um, version of zombies. And the, the the cast of characters in that movie is incredible. Um, the zombies are 
probably some of the best on screen. The uh, the Sludge Man or whatever they call him, uh, Tar Man. Tar Man. Thank you. That's one of the best ever on screen, and he's just this slippery, slimy, shiny looking thing. And that's like the right. first time they actually looked gooey and like they were really like sliming. <laughs> it's just. A really fun movie, and I'm I'm excited to uh, to watch that one again. Yeah, it, yeah, it, me too. Exactly that that part of it, and then you also get like the the woman that's a you know just a essentially a talking skeleton the torso, and then you know like so there's just like less and less of them. There's more decay, and and in that sense, like the zombie hadn't quite evolved to its final form until you get to that Return of the Living Dead. Which, you know, incidentally, out of those two was the, the more successful and more, you know, impactful on pop culture. Right. Day of the Dead was not really well. It's not a it's not a complete film in any way. Like, clearly there were major cuts made. He, he didn't get the money that he was looking for from his original script. And you, you could see it a lot. It, it suffers quite a bit from <laughs> lack of anything, really. There's not much to it. And it's yeah. um, it's a shame. I, I used to. I used to despise that movie, but I love it now just for what it is. I just because it's like another Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead, you know, it's another dead movie and it's just fun. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a to- well, it's a totally different animal than than Return because Re- Return is is like a crowd pleaser. It's it like you said it's a much more punk rock, you know, ridi- ridiculously intentionally ridiculous and horrifying at the same time. Because uh, you can't really kill them, um, no. you know it's 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 absurd. It's 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 an absurd nightmare. Um, where whereas day is just this never-ending nightmare that is like just oh, you know a, a gut a gut punch to it your is. senses. A, a humor a humorless humorless gut, gut right. Punch. It's like you know you you, you get one that's uh, that's uh, totally fun and and you are unable to take it seriously. So you have to have fun with it. Um, and then the other one is uh, just you know it's brooding and um, you know uh, <laughs> torturous and you okay get, but uh, yeah bringing it back to the zombie and 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 dawn um, I guess they're um, kind of a, a perfect tipping point uh, you know uh, for for the the evolution of zombies um, you know for for the end of the seventies going in, going into the eighties so. Yeah, I feel like this was a, a generational push forward for, you know, what these monsters were and what they were going to become on screen um, for both movies, um, mostly for Dawn. Um, mm-hmm. But this kind of solidified the fact that this could be, like you know, a cultural f- phenomenon, which would make it, um, you know, commercially viable for studios to get behind. Um, but also at the same time, I think it's Dawn is, you know, overall a really great film that, you know, um, a lot of people got to see because it was so popular and it, and it it's just it, it it hangs up there above above a lot of the rest in my opinion as like one of the best uh, horror films of all time yeah I, I think I think dawn probably single-handedly brought zombies out of the the the, the grindhouse and the uh, the the drive-in and and into the theater you know yeah and that, then there's zombie two yeah <laughs> Zombie Two brought it back uh, yeah. to a, a, every every outlet you could imagine, every seedy outlet you could imagine. But uh, you know, exactly, it's all good. I, I think. Uh, and then there's Zombie Two sums it up pretty well. Um, and uh, yeah. on that one, I think we should probably and don't uh, don't don't forget there's Zombie Three, Four, and Five as well. Let's forget. Uh, on, let's on that forget. note, yeah. uh, let's uh, we can wrap it up, and we'll we'll be back next week with um, 
Return of the Living Dead and uh, Day of the Dead. Perfect. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. Why do these people keep them here? Because they still believe there's respect in dying.